Yeah, this should be like kind of a rambling thing. Yeah, and that gets edited. It's just, I mean, we're not really used to being on microphones or headsets no. that we have. I mean, the other movies will be easier because we like drop yeah. a quote. But in this is it. This is it. We. I don't want. You're on your phone. No, it's it, our first episode, and you're going back onto your phone. This is where I left my notes. Oh my god, 21st century man. But we're here. We finally got our acts together, unlike our film. But oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh now officially nobody's gonna listen to us. Yeah, but we've got a podcast. Yep, somebody gave us microphones. Yeah, Target for like thirty bucks a piece or something like that. You ready to do this? Yep. Here we go. Iggy Pop. Amen. Let him write! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Truman Capote. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a cave thing. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish! <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehypnotization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hello, and welcome, everyone, to the very first edition of P.S. I Love Hoffman. Yes! Our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. Today we'll be chatting about Philip Seymour Hoffman's first feature film, a little dandy titled Triple Bogey on a Par 5 Hole. I just gotta tell you, this is so far, this is going pretty good so far. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> first things first, though. We'd be remiss if we didn't thank the guys over at Cage Club, Joey Lewandowski, Mike Manzi, for inspiring us and letting two clowns like us on their podcast network. If you haven't listened to any of Nick Cage podcasts on their Cage Club or any of their other network uh, stuff like Keanu Club, please check it out. Yeah, that's uh, it's good that you wrote this because I would have been totally non-thinking to thank these guys. But thank you guys. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, Mikey. I don't yeah, think anyone's yeah. ever called Mikey. Mikey <laughs> is Mike Manzi. Maybe, maybe his. I love his you, Manzi. Family. Thank you. So yeah, big thanks to Mike and Joey. That's Ooh. for sure. Ooh. Now with that out of the way, it's our maiden voyage, and we kind of wanted to let you know what to expect on this podcast. So Kyle, what interested you about the career of Philip Zimmer Hoffman? What do you love so much about this guy? All right, so I, let's just go with uh, probably the first film I ever saw him in was Twister. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I read re- I read online recently that's the film that he was like most noticed. Like still in polls and stuff like that, people say that's like his most recognizable. Role. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. I know. I know. It's kind. Of, it's you know get the man won an Oscar. It was nominated I mean, for Oscars why. multiple times. Fantastic but Twister. But Twister. Yeah. Exactly. But honestly, so I mean, as a kid, what is that? Ninety six. I think Twister ninety seven or something like that. Great comic relief, fun action summer film. That was my first throw into Philip Seymour Hoffman. But in the end, after just getting older and seeing more of his films and being like, wow, this guy is just brilliant. Uh, you know what? You just look at him and I and I go like that, you know, not that I want to be an actor. But that, that, that could be me. He looks like a guy that I would hang out. He really does look like a guy that I would hang out with. And so, you know, they're always like, oh, yeah, you know, Tom Hanks is a cool guy, blah, blah, blah. But he's still like, he's a little goofy looking, but he's a beautiful guy. Phil Schroffen, yes, he's still, he's, a, he's an attractive guy, was an attractive guy. But as far as his performance, the man could do it all. I literally think a master of the stage and screen, unfortunately, never got to see him on stage. No, it's a shame. But... 
man, like, and he ended up, he directed a film. I think, I mean, he's done rom-coms, comedies, blockbusters, dramas, some of the greatest dramatic performances of all time. And yeah, the guy was just one of, if not the greatest character actor of all time. And I say that with full steam ahead confidence. Yeah, I mean, I agree with most of what you said. For me, because we lost him so soon... God, what a dark day that was. It was just about three years ago, because it was right before that shitty Denver Seahawks Super Bowl. Oh, the, oh, and the New York one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we lost him so soon, it gives us like a unique opportunity to examine a legend's full career. Mm-hmm. Uh, the career, A career that like, kind of occurred in our lifetime, at least. Totally. Yeah, that's a very fair point. And look, would, I, would I'd rather have him around right now? Would I rather have him making more movies? Of course. Yeah. Of course. However, I don't know. This is like the first guy who like I saw kind of get better and better and better through movies, and then we just like lost. Yeah, yeah. He's exactly like the man. Just was uh, he was just a, like a nonstop tea kettle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, I, we're just blessed to be in like the the Hoffman era, really. And I guess we'll be celebrating his gift to us with this podcast. Yeah, I think we might be doing some fun stuff over the course uh, of his film career. That's, yeah, what can, again, what can our, our, our newfound fans expect, Kyle? You know, we're going to be doing some contests here and there with prizes. Fun. We're going to invite some uh, great guests, some some great guest hosts. We know some uh, interesting people that, you know, if they know film, if they know your basic things, you know, Philip Seymour pretty much became a household name, and unfortunately, especially after his tragic death, but still, like, people I've been talking and we've got a good little dossier of people that want to come on this uh, on this program yeah people we think you'd like hearing from uh, yeah just I mean that's just our frank opinion we'll be doing a lot of them on our own and it's just going to be an absolute pleasure watching these films again watching them in the order that they're done and just talking about it yeah I mean most of the time we spend talking about film anyway <laughs> Yeah, I think he has something around 65 films or something like that. I mean, you know, you can't go by IMDb credits. You've got some random things in there. We're not going to be doing, like, you know, I think technically, for instance, the first time he was ever on screen was pretty much, I think, 95% of the acting population was on Law & Order. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to be sticking mostly to film here. Uh, yeah. Not so much television. Feature film because that's the man that we know and we love. Yeah, it's our podcast. So. Exactly. <laughs> so don't you know? Don't call us and be like, oh, he was on a great episode of blah, blah, blah. He did have a television series that he was working on. I think it's called Happy-ish. And it was, and it, and just, it was continued later Not on with Steve. With blackish, right? N- no. Okay. Why was anyone confused? I was the blackish. The ish? Every, put an <laughs> ish at the end of the thing, it automatically gets confused with blackish? I don't know. I'm getting really Jewish right now. Am I talking <laughs> this way? I guess so. You can hear ish? No, so there was this the show Happy Ish, which I think was then continued with Steve Coogan, I want to say, for some reason. in Like in recently, like last spring or something like that. Oh, I really that didn't follow. Yeah, but it was Phil Schmerhoffman, Phil Hoffman, I think, filmed the pilot. So I'm definitely. I never saw it. I think I will check uh, it out, but we are, again, going didn't to know that. See, we learn on the podcast as well. Yeah. And I it's like be, reading yeah. Rainbow, but <laughs> not reading, and there's no rainbows here. Well, yeah, to be clear, we're not really taking an analytical approach to this. This no. isn't going to be a film school seminar. This is not going to be, you know, you're sitting in a classroom here. Yeah, we're not James Lipton. If you haven't figured it out by 
now we are self-admitted fans. We just plain love this guy, and we just want to have some fun. It got a picture right here that came in the blue case, Blu-ray case of uh, the Master. One of my favorite. I can't wait till we get to. Uh, stop spoiling I'm it. Not, it's not spoils. I'm not you saying might anything. Hate it, I don't know. No, I love it. I love all of his films. Oh, uh, oh. But or all of his performances. Uh huh. Yes. That. Yes. That's but the Master, better. one of my favorite films of all time. But I've got this lovely portrait that was done that came in the Blu-ray case and I have it framed and it's magnificent. <laughs> so that's, you know, film nerds and love it. So without further ado, Kyle, tell us a little bit about Philip Seymour Hoffman's first film, Triple Bogey on a Par 5 Hole. Well, first of all, what a, what a title. <laughs> what a great title that is. It's uh, Triple Bogey on a Par 5 Hole is directed by Amos Pohl. Poe. Oh. <laughs> okay. oh, yeah. Oh, there we go. So I'm not perfect. I can't read right, but whatever. He uh, actually, I went on his IMDb. I saw he directed Alphabet City. Yeah. Have you seen that? I have seen that. It's a it. great talk about like. It was in right today. before this, right? Uh, it's close. Like five. No, I think a little bit more. I think like at least like. Well, what year? Five to seven years. What year is this one? This is 91. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I guess I'm wrong. But Alphabet City. It's cool. I'm totally going on a tangent, but it's a really cool movie. In today's world that we have our uh, neon noirs with like Ryan Gosling, like Drive and stuff like that, this is a really cool movie you should check out. And I believe it's on Netflix. But this movie that we watched, Triple Bogey on a Par Five Hole, we watched on YouTube. We don't have any sponsors yet, but if there is one out there, YouTube, we'd love for you to be our sponsor. <laughs> but anyway, a uh, little uh, synopsis of the movie. It's about a screenwriter who's hired to observe the children of deceased thieves on this luxury <laughs> this luxury yacht in which they reside on that circles Manhattan. That, to me, was pretty much the best way for me to kind of sum up. Yeah, that. I mean, how much screen time does Hoffman get in this one? Uh, it's like a, a, like he's on screen a minute, and it's like a little in-between conversation between his buddy, the one son of these thieves, and then the writer of this, like, screenplay. Yeah, so, so not, not, no. not the most um, Hoffman-intense film, but... We're going through them all. We gotta discuss it. We gotta start somewhere. By the way, I like how you suggested YouTube would sponsor an audio podcast. But <laughs> well, why not? Because their market is video. I'm not sure if you're familiar well, with the site. I'm trying to. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> uh, but oh, yes, you know, you're familiar with other kind of video sites, aren't you? Uh, he's insinuating you porn. <laughs> Dirty, <laughs> dirty man right here. But, uh, hey, I know you no. too well. So, okay, so this film, 91, what are we, four years old? Didn't see it then? No, I didn't see it then. Probably wouldn't have. I don't think you and I were toddlers strolling around St. Mark's. Which How <laughs> fantastic would that have been? <laughs> I still may, you know what, I probably would have remembered it. I was going to say I wouldn't have remembered it, but St. Mark's, 1991. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what a great, you know, my mother, era. I always tell you, my mother grew up on the Lower East Side. Walking to school, jumping over bums on the Bowery. Fantastic. Like, but this film movement came out of there. Pre Giuliani. <laughs> oh, screw that Giuliani for, for cleaning up New York. Yeah. <laughs> I like the colorful days. I like the uh, hooker filled, uh, you know, uh, Times Square. Now it's Disney World. Regardless, yeah. <laughs> Regardless, this is kind of the end of this era of like gritty, uh, 
village lower east side films yeah where they like they would just make these films essentially to be shown in for like theaters down there sure like you had kind of said this is in the same vein as like a jim jarmusch like, yeah jarmusch comes so out kinda, of this he, world yeah he, he he carries the torch this guy uh you know amos like po. amos poe uh really hasn't done again i didn't you know he hasn't done much but no. people you know you got your Certainly jim jarmusch's out there but then, obviously, they go on and they really have their films, you know, like you know, at Sundance and you know more like festivals. And you know, this might have played, but again, it, it's this it's kind beautiful... of free festival era. And there, of course, there were festivals out at that time. You know but... what it still even felt like? It felt like I mean, these New York, you know, directors, um, Scorsese, Mean Streets just those films that he captured these little corners, these little pockets of New York and just really focused on it. So it's kind of interesting. This one totally, I mean, Hey, if you got a boat, I don't know if they rented, he must've known somebody with that boat. That's a cool boat. It's like a, it's not a boat. It's a yacht. It's a yacht. Yes. <laughs> to quote a random movie out there. Good reference. Uh, if anyone can name that, they win one Philip Seymour Hoffman DVD. Woo. Name the quote that Kyle yeah. was referring to. <laughs> it's not a boat. It's a yacht. <laughs> yes. Okay. <Maybe> the... <laughs> but yeah. So accents aside, I I, I don't I, I I just have this feeling from like a guerrilla filmmaking like mind or whatever that he knew somebody with a really cool it might have been his I don't know good for him but knew somebody with this like cool yacht and was like let's just film a movie on it and circle around Manhattan get these great landscapes I just love you know it's full frame black and white shooting on film do you think it seemed like Super 8 um I'm pretty sure I saw that in the credits you want to make a quick bet you want to make a quick bet no, super. No, the Super Eight was. There's oh, no video right. footage. You're right. It was. This is probably the footage. It, it looked pretty clean. So, so what Kyle's referring to? Most of the movies in uh, black and white, mm-hmm. but they keep flashing back to it's home video footage. Home video footage. Yeah. They definitely. It must, again, it must have been someone's home video. It's not like they shot home video footage. I mean, we don't for this know. Movie. But that definitely doesn't. No, seem I, th- like I think it. you would have gotten like some actors that looked a little bit more like their, you know, like the old eldest daughter doesn't like look like you know the found footage or the home video footage. Who but knows? whatever. But they just do this really cool thing where they go back and forth between our film and this home video footage when the kids are reminiscing about their deceased parents. So, so I give you, so, so you like the you like this movie? Yeah, I liked it. It was different. It's very minimalist. Well, that's the thing. We we're not seeing this so much anymore. Even the indie and I'm doing air quotes, guys. Indie films these days aren't really like no, indie they're films. They're multi-million. This I don't know. Again, maybe it says an IMDb. Look, the budget was probably high because of the cost of film at the time. But sure, it's, but it's still high. But isn't it's, like... it's not high as in production value that no. we expect today. No, it has this great quality to it. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, I've got a degree in communication arts, digital filmmaking. There you go, people. Right there in the title, digital filmmaking. <clears throat> they just didn't once my school decided to have a film program they were like well let's just keep it digital because film is too expensive <laughs> i can appreciate that but uh i did one time work on a set where i was actually changing canisters and i felt like i was on an episode of 24 because of how like critical like i felt like the guy in die hard 3 trying to defuse the bomb in the kid's school because of the amount of pressure you have of like exposing film and just ruining all those takes and everything like that. So it's just, I loved seeing a film that I feel like a a peer 
of mine like could have made and it's just got this raw film quality new york i can relate like i've been around this you know the south east and west tip of new york on a boat before you know just covers pretty much from like south of what the manhattan bridge and then kind of scoops around lower manhattan yeah that's what we see i think the implication might be that they or just always constantly circling but what we mostly see is yeah we mostly see the, the shots from there i mean just obviously for their production value yeah. I I mean, from a writer's perspective, I mean, just for those of you who don't know, Kyle's more of a production. We dabble in both, of course. Sure. But Kyle definitely knows more about the production ends of things. From a writer's perspective, it was a really inspiring film because I always get bogged down when I'm writing a screenplay or I'm writing a story where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, man, I'm never going to be able to make this. I'm never going to have enough money to make this. And it's like, even things that I have are minimalist. Still, like, if you want the quality that you see on TV or in the film, it's like, you're not going to be able to do that. But it just harkened back to an era where you just freaking filmed your story. Yeah. And it, had gr- it had a great language to it. Yeah, and it was it was it it almost felt like a play at times. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it fi- you filmed your story and you just did it. And you just didn't care about how much money... I'm, look, I'm sure he would have loved to make millions upon millions of dollars, but it was more about the art of it. It, it's a very artsy film without being crazy. There was a narrative. Yeah. I mean, so, the, I mean, the definitely the most famous guy in it is Philip Seymour Hoffman, but this is his first, like, film appearance. Yeah. But then, you know who they had in it? I love this guy. Robbie Coltrane. He plays the... Uh, I love it actually in the in the scene he's, he plays the family attorney. Oh yeah. And it, I love it the shadow presents on the wall attorney at law. Yeah. Like what a great Where do friend. I know that guy from? Okay. I, so, I made a note. So, like, where do I know this guy from? He's in two of the Pierce Brosnan James Bonds. And then he's uh I'm I and I've seen all of them but I'm not good Harry Potter. He's the big guy. The big hat the like the one that Dan Pichelle looks like. <laughs> I mean, reference that nobody will know. Um, Hagrid? Yeah. He's Hagrid? Yeah. Oh, my God, you're and then right. He play, and he plays, and then, again, in the, James Bo- in the Pierce Brosnan James Bond. Yeah, Bob, yeah. He's in Tomorrow... No. I don't know. I know he's in... I don't know. He's in the third one of oh Pierce Brosnan. Oh, my God, that is Hagrid. He plays the, the Russian, that. and he's a caviar factory and stuff like that. I did not... Like, yeah, I knew I recognized his face, and oh. well, he does this great, like you know, Italian New York accent. He's got like a thin, like John Waters mustache. Wow! So Philip Seymour Hoffman isn't really the known guy in this. It's no, I mean the biggest name at the time was probably Robbie Coltrane. And you want to? I, I, I'm, I'm so happy. Did you catch this other person? What film they were in? No, I didn't. Okay, no, I didn't so the who. little there's three siblings in the film. There's an older sister that's 27, I think they say. Yeah, 27. and then there's like a kid, a brother in his late. Teens, early twenties. We'll, we'll run through the movie in a yeah, second. Yeah, and then there's a little sister that's probably twelve or thirteen, I'd guess, if I had to guess. She's like the braid. Yeah, the, I loved the, her. The, yeah, okay. I just all of a sudden the way she was like pontificating. Well, yeah, I recognized her too, but I'm like, ah, oh, she yeah. can't be in anything. <laughs> she's in Home Alone. She's the one that says. Oh! She's the one that You're says. You're like the French. Yeah. Call, wait, 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 don't, yeah. What does she say? Oh. You say it all the time. Yeah. Uh, oh. Kevin, you're at the French code, les incompetents, yeah, right? Les, les, les incompetents. Les, yeah, les incompetents. Oh my god, yeah, that's yes. her. I just, because she had like, I think she has braces in that movie too, and this is black and white, so she is in braids, but, so it looks like lighter blonde hair. Oh, I love but, it when that but happens. But I think, yeah, was, uh, Angela, I'm a, uh, Angela, yeah, look, I Go- know yeah, name, Angela but... Gothels, Gothels, but yeah, those are, so, honestly, yeah, but 
look at this mind, people. This is the talent you're going to be getting on this podcast. This uh, vault of mine, pathetic <laughs> memory. Not uh, so good with the words when they come out. But... No, not at all. I'm like a visual person. Uh, but all right, so I think should we get into what this film is kind of, like a little yeah, bit? Yeah, we're probably confusing the hell out of people. Yeah, okay. I mean, look, it's not an easy film. No, it, I wasn't liking it at first, but triple bogey on a par five hole. So, again, it, we don't learn this stuff right away. I had so many questions going through it or whatever. But, I mean, I just... Well, I love the the black and white and, like, on the Hudson. And they start out... That's a credit sequence or on a, a still shot on a boat or whatever. And you're just seeing, uh, you know, like, the Twin Towers back then and stuff like that. All the, the financial district, low, lower, you know, lower side of Manhattan. And then they go into this... Uh, first scene is you, we meet the writer right away, but he's like shrouded in shadows. Shrouded yeah, you don't see his face, <laughs> and, he, and he's got like a German, almost a Werner Herzog a- accent. I think French. Oh, French accent. You're it's right. The, let's call it the Rhine. Yeah, yeah, because it's not the. If he's French, okay. No, this is actually something I wrote down. No, it's not Gerard de Perdu. No, like... no, you know what? Maybe we don't know our accents well enough. Mm-hmm. But it's it's. I wrote down pseudo-European accent. There you go. You're right. We do learn that he is French yeah. later in the film. But the beginning, I thought it was like... I wasn't sure if... French It Alps. was documentary style, though, because yeah. we were just hearing his voice. Mm-hmm. Or this was like his own thoughts. Yeah. But, yeah, sure. We'll put him somewhere in the Rhineland. The or, Rhineland. My heritage between the area. Between the Rhineland mm-hmm. and the French. Yeah, border. so he's... He, the, so Alsace we meet, and Lorraine, perhaps. Yes. So we meet this guy... Remy, right? That's Remy's his, his name. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have indicated that he's French. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but we meet him by his the back of his head and his voice. And again, I thought he was like a detective at first. I didn't, like I I don't know. I, I was kind of like not intrigued right away. So maybe I wasn't listening too good. No, you don't. We didn't really know what to expect. Okay, this film. but he's talking to this one guy, and he's. Uh, what did he he worked in advertising? I don't know. He worked with some like you know, sh- you know. He reminded me of this character. He reminded me of the guy that gets killed in Die Hard, the annoying business guy. Yeah, he's just not a like I mean, early you know mid eighties to like early. I think 90s. he was her uh, agent for her book deal. Yeah. Okay. So he was like a publisher. Yeah. Kinda. He dealt with art. Yeah. Also. And so we got Remy talking to this. Let's just call him a publisher uh, guy, publicist. Yeah, publicist. Something. That's probably better. And it's just like this dialogue scene, and then so we learn when this guy Remy gets on the boat that he's writing a screenplay about the family, this family that now that it's only the three kids and their cousin, their older cousin, and she's she raised them for the past thirteen years for the most part because these three kids had parents. That when they were on Long Island, they went to go buy a lobster dinner and decided they needed a little bit more cash. And so they went to go rob people on a golf course. Golf course. And unfortunately, there was a reti- for them, unfortunately for them, there was a retired cop that they were robbing. And when they turned their backs, he pulls out their pistol and just shoots them right away. And I, I actually, I kind of wrote down like a little something that I thought that was funny because. Um, the guy later on the film, Remy is interviewing the cop that shot them or whatever. And he pretty much, this guy, he's, he was just having like a bad day of like losing golf bets and like the pressure of buying his wife a surf and turf dinner after losing like 
golf bets and stuff like that, and then pretty much he gets you know robbed, and so he's just like, well, I'm just gonna kill these people. <laughs> like, just, they, they turn around, they didn't, like hit anybody or shoot anybody, and instead of just like saying like freeze or whatever, he just like kills them point blank. Because, uh, and it, I just found it very interesting that he was talking about this surf and turf dinner while these people were going out to buy lobsters. Yeah. It was a very, it was very shellfish of him. Wah, wah. <laughs> Did you write that in your notes? No, I didn't. Okay. I came up with that okay. right now. Oh, good. I was right just now. asking. Just asking. Yeah. So, um, I guess at this point, I just want to make clear. We don't really see these things happen. I don't think we see that part. Right? No, we just have. That's why I really feel like this is like someone's actual home video footage because it's just very. I mean, the the son says they like say that the mom was always very. She lost her hearing after a car accident, and so then she bought like a ca- or the f- husband bought her a is camera. It, is then. that guy is the brother or the son or is his girlfriend deaf as well? She sounded like it. She Not sounded be, like it. That's no, how, no, 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 you're right. And I was just wondering if that was a parallel there. Yeah. Well, so the movie is done more of in a style style of Remy is just interviewing people so he can write this screenplay. Yeah. First so, the so, uh, eldest sister, then the son. And then maybe the youngest daughter, but then their older Italian cousin that came in to, like, raise them. And the big thing also, important thing to know about this movie, is that the eldest daughter, Amanda, she ends up writing a book. Yeah, she wrote her first book, what, right after they died. Yeah, so when she was, like, you know, 14, 15 years old, and it ended up being, like, a big-time hit that obviously affords them this yacht and this like kind of cool lifestyle of living on the East River and the Hudson and all around Manhattan on a boat. Yeah, she actually gained guardianship of her siblings. Yeah, she was like, she came, showed up, according to the lawyer, Coltrane says that, you know, she showed up in this little white dress and she just performed for the judge and the jury. And, I think you she know, waved like, like a check of like $100,000. Yeah, something like that. That, you know, could show that she could provide for her younger siblings because it was like the then the brother, the brother's, and he's got to be seven years younger than her. So he was, you know, like seven or eight years old. And then they had a, you know, a, a infant sister or whatever mm-hmm. but then I never figured out the exact situation but it was that they have an older cousin that lived in Italy and then she came she must have been like she's related kind of... to Coltrane yeah and she... I don't know if that was that's what I'm trying to ask was that their cousin because that's I thought it... it was Coltrane's cousin uh... that he was their lawyer and he like suggested because they needed someone to be there regardless it's this Italian <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Te- well, you know what? Like the Olive Garden says, when you hear your family. True. I mean, they, so she, so like she you know, kind of like was the became mother the to matriarch. Them. Uh, but the older sister also wanted to kind of like take this motherly role, and that's what this movie's really a- becomes about. Like, yeah, their family. Yeah, this like little weird put together quirky, weird quirky, family. Weird family. Yeah. So okay, weirdest one. The weirdest thing about the movie, and I wasn't sure at first until, like, there was, like, a wide shot scene, but the youngest sister, she never learned how to walk? Yeah, yeah. So she just kind of, like, crawls around. When when she's in a sitting position, she uses her legs in very, like, normal sitting, like, ways and moving them, but for some reason, then she doesn't use them for getting around. Yeah, well, Remy even mentions, like, like, oh, she never learned to walk. And, yeah, I and, just thought that was like a nobody, Werner Herzog in-depth yeah, thing. And nobody seems to notice. Yeah. But then, I mean, spoiler alert, uh, she ends up randomly walking at some point. And she's dancing towards the end. Oh, yeah. And then she even says it 
like in the end that little yeah. note she has like I just decided to walk like, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it ends with uh, it's a very artsy film guys in terms of yeah it ends with uh, her writing a book it's like she's taking the torch because then uh, Amanda and Remy end up uh <laughs> having sex and she decides to go to France with them. It, the film is like all it's very random turns here and there but then the youngest sister uh, what was her name? Brie uh, she ends up starting to write her own book and it's called Chapter One Angel Baby she's a, she's a, she's a just kind of, again I love the t- I love the titles of this film it's a it's just like, you well know. you know what's funny in that what she starts to write she doesn't capitalize her eyes hmm. and that really bothers me <laughs> it just yeah that's, it's just yeah I guess, you know, um, we live in a world of... It, it looks. this is a weird film. If you're a fan of the Twilight series or things like that, that are just generally, like, easy films... What a, what a is, random film I'm just saying this is not the film for you. Yeah, that's fair. If you... <laughs> it's not the film for a lot of people, but you know what? You can watch it on YouTube with, like, no... Yeah, watch it yourself. ...advertisements, like, in between and stuff Unless like now that. they're going to dump this from YouTube because, you I know, don't of us, so. but... Sorry, it's Bill Seymour Hoffman's first movie. Well, it's funny, okay? And we'll get into his scene in a second. But mm-hmm. when you click on the YouTube thing, his name is bigger than the title of the movie, like the picture for Yeah, because they eventually realized, oh. Like, yeah, like what, this is how once, it... once YouTube came out and someone put it on there, <laughs> that was the most cacheable name and searchable name. Of course. So, like, in theory, when you look at that, you might think he has top billing. Yeah, there's a huge picture of him on, like, the poster <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. He's the only picture. Yeah, it's just a picture of him. Yeah. However... I don't even know if it's a picture of him in the movie. Yeah, actually, I don't know if that's the case either. Yeah. Just, like, a young picture of him. So, Kyle, set the scene for Philip Zimmer Hoffman's All right. intro into so, this So, uh, Philip Zimmer Hoffman plays a bandmate name of uh so there's the brother there's the th- three siblings that you got amanda the oldest brie the youngest girl and in the middle the middle child syndrome this boy named satch satch satchel but they call him satch, satch yes so and satch also has a named girlfriend a named bag. cookie yeah cookie interesting name who might be either uh uh french or deaf <laughs> so um not to be mean to the french or the deaf but of course uh, he has a bandmate named Clutch, uh, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, and they're just chilling out, playing some pool, pool yeah. little, Maybe it's little, little bets and stuff Certainly like that. So slicker. there is a little, you know what, now I'm thinking about it, like obviously the film, like it's a, there's very, money's always very talked about and present mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Even the cop that ends up shooting the parents, you know, like has this whole golf bet worry and doesn't want to pay for meals and yeah, it's a very... But, uh, you know, they hand one another $20 bill for this pool bet. But you got Clutch and you got Satch. And then you have uh, Remy come in to do, like, a little... Or, you know, he's he's very fly on the wall throughout the whole film. And then he shoots these vague or plain questions. And I think he's just trying to get a little something out of them because he personally thinks they're kind of boring. Yeah, actually, the entire time. I mean, he, at the end of this movie, decides that the story is too boring. Yeah, he gives doesn't... up, like, the chance of making like money. Like, $500,000 I think yeah. he says that he gives up. Idiot. Like, I mean, not to write this screenplay because they're too boring and instead he no. sleeps with the oldest daughter and, yeah. as Kyle mentioned, takes her to France. We get to see her boobs for a second. <laughs> this, this girl, she's very attractive. I went on IMDb, doesn't have uh, any pictures or anything like that, was never in any other, like, big like not that this was a big project, but then unfortunately didn't make it. But I thought she had she was very uh, yes my type 
a very attractive <laughs> to her. But she, but you know, hear that, ladies? Yes, attractive is Kyle's type. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, but I, I maybe it was the black and white. I don't know. She just had uh, oh, to yeah. me this look, this great like charisma to her, this old timing like a Monroe, a Marilyn Monroe style. Even though yeah. she was, she didn't articulate in a Marilyn Monroe way. No, but, but she even had... even like a Breakfast at Tiffany's like vibe. Like I don't know. There's just something yeah, sultry, so starlit, classy, style, but... starlit kind of thing. Anyway, you know what? Yeah, she's right great. now, I wish, how I wish I had her name in front of me. You know what? We're not. We're always gonna play. I think we're always gonna play some clips, some audio clips for you. But this one, he's in a one-minute scene. How about we just play this one-minute audio clip for this scene? All right, All right, let's do it. All right. Well, look who's here. Clutch, say hello to Remy Gravel. Hi. Hi. Is this the guy that's writing the movie about you? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's gonna play him? Uh, who do you think? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody cool. Like Spike Lee. Shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's 20. Wanna play another? Double or nothing? No. Come on, you can win your money back. I gotta pick up mile at 11 after work. <laughs> oh, I see you at the crowbar later? Maybe. I'm waiting for cookie. See you later. Thanks for the dough, man. Nice to meet you, Mr. Gravel. Thanks, Clutch. <laughs> Pleasure was mine. <laughs> and good luck on the movie. Sure. <laughs> so, Kyle, your thoughts? I. Well, you just saw me I, as we watched that, as they were listening to it or whatever. Uh, I started cracking up. I love at the end. Hey, good luck with the movie. <laughs> like it's just. I mean, it's right. classic Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, it's, it's just, just it, it, people. This was the first like on you know like yeah okay you had the Law and Order, but this is a film. This is a master of his craft. Just at the beginning, you just witnessed like a birth of sorts. And I'm not trying to be overly dramatic about it, but that was just like I I loved it. It was minimal. Which you know the first thing his first project ever was he starred in or whatever. But that's what it was, and I love it. It was just such a great. You had right away. He just has that laugh and that smile he had. Yeah. It just, it, it's it's like a warm, but like, uh, not sinister, but like Eddie Haskell, like, <laughs> you know, like, just something mis- mischievous. I think we'll see this character a lot. I oh, yeah, no, it, it reminds me of other characters right away. This is like his buddy character. Uh, his Yeah. Not, not in, again, and I don't mean like... No, all, you've got that in all positive way. No, you've got your along came Polly's, and then you have your talented Mr. Ripley's. This is a little bit closer to like talented Mr. Ripley, maybe yeah, because they're also on a boat. I don't know. Okay, maybe, <laughs> but, but like uh, it's this is his. It's like that old thing that people say they're you know they're no small parts, just small actors. Yeah, maybe maybe it's hindsight, but I feel like if we just had seen this movie in 1991, he would have stood out. Yeah, there's just something like, yeah, it's just like that little, I love finding those little quirks in the movie that then we just repeat and 
like joke about and quote and stuff like that. And I forget exactly what movie it is, but I read one time that Meryl Streep, who ended up being coming a collaborator with Philip Seymour Hoffman on stage and screen, uh, saw a movie of his and just like went, wow, who is this guy? So it's like, it, it, it's not early, early, but it's like early enough still. It's before the 2000s. It was, but I forget what role definitely will come up in future podcasts but yeah like you know so the great Meryl, Meryl Streep uh, just like went and saw this film and saw this performance and went wow like who who is this guy and again like this is so small such a random film that plenty of people definitely never saw but he just has this I don't know, this warmth to him, and he just, like, that laugh again, and the, just even, I don't know if it was a ad-lib, you know, like, line or whatever, but he's, like, joking around with his uh, buddy Satch and says, you know, to Remy, like, oh, so who are you going to get to play him? Someone cool like Spike Lee. <laughs> like, what, what is that? I don't know if that's, like, a little shout-out to an independent New York filmmaker at the time. Yeah, I'm obviously, not sure where that comes from. Obviously but... does not look like the teenage blonde actor that's playing <laughs> Satch, uh, Spike Lee. But you know what also I found very interesting was, see, like, from, the, from a production standpoint, this film and the camera work, very, again, very minimal. This film is minimal in all realms, but the film, like, the shots... Uh, just linger and tend to be like these medium wide shots just so you get a full frame you get to see a lot the the people the, you know if it's like a two person conversation you have the two people usually Remy's back and the person he's talking to and again I don't know if that's because of the style uh, or the you know, lack of the expensive film actors do love that because obviously if you see someone performing in one shot you know it's one take and you're like wow but also, it's great to have coverage, and I just found it interesting. In this scene, there is the this wide shot that you get to see uh, the back of Remy, Clutch, and Satch, and then they go to this great kind of low angle from, I believe, like the hip of Remy looking at Clutch, at, at Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. And I just thought that was, you know, just from the whole standpoint of the film and then just the fact that this is the actor that we're focusing on that that they have this second shot and i said to you again when we were watching when you guys were listening that it's just something it's simple but it it was beautiful because again it's just i don't know it's just like it's one more shot i got to see a philip sir hoffman very true very true so now i'm gonna be asking this on the podcast a lot but do you and this this is kind of different because it's his first one and odds are he probably did this because he needed the money and wanted to be in a good film. Sure. But do you think this is the kind of role that he was gravitating to, or do you think this is the kind of role that he did this and then he started to get roles similar to this? Because later we see him take on leads and take on more characters. Not that this isn't a character, but this is a more grounded character, obviously. Sure. Well, I've read multiple times he never thought, and a lot of people never thought that he was exactly a leading actor, even in like some of his lead roles. Like he always <laughs> like there's some great quote of him. I'm not going to do it justice, but he just always said like it doesn't matter how many lines I have, I'll always make it seem like I'm more in the background. <laughs> like I know there's yeah, but at the same time he has such like bravados to him that like you know booming voice at some points but to really like answer your question i think that those were 
the roles, and sure, you could have crazier characters or crazier dialogue, crazier story, but those were the roles that he was more interested in, and yeah, so I think he just kind of took that role because he auditioned for it, and he got accepted like any young actor. I don't exactly know how old he was at the time, early 20s, 22. He looks young. Yeah. Um, We could easily do the math right now, but... but, um, (laughs) It's not a math podcast, guys. No. no, Definitely not. You're not talking with two mathematicians, certainly. No, or or (laughs) spellers or any grammatical people, but anyway. Or anything of use to... um, History. History. That was our only good gen ed. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... So, anyway, to put this out there, Brian and I have known one another since high school, so that's that's how we know that. Um, In many ways. That's rude. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, so I, th- I this, this is definitely, this is a role that he was just always interested. No, okay, not this role. Because <laughs> it's, it's a one, one minute, you know, in a whatever film. But still, yes, like, I think he would have. I I would have loved to have seen him in the role of Satch. Yeah, I was thinking that he could have done Satch. He could have done Satch. There was nothing. That, no that, offense to the, the no, actor but that Satch. was the weak. He was the weakest link in the movie. I'm not. We're not gonna. It isn't a podcast about getting too analytical. But I have no <laughs> qualms of saying what I did and didn't like, and probably the thing I liked least about the film was the acting of the character Satch. And so, since, again, love Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he shares, a, uh, you know, like, the same age bracket as in a scene with Satch, I totally think that he could have played Satch and been much more interesting and in just seeing, the, you know, because Satch is, he's rich and privileged, had a tragic past, obviously, but then is in, like, this, you know, punk rock metal type band, band yeah. just from like the outfit that Clutch is wearing and stuff like that. It is, it's great. He's wearing like wristbands and something bandanas. you'd see in the 80s and early 90s in like the Lower East Side. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely in the realm of the roles that he was, I think he was interested in and then used to getting for quite some time. I don't want to misspeak Capote, I really think, is like his first, like, you know, um, lead role, and that's the only one that freaking Oscar for. I, I, there are some others before, but there's nothing that's yes, there's of cl- that caliber. Exactly. So, again, it's just like you had a very long time of 91 to Capote, I want to say, is like 04 or something like that. Uh, 05, maybe 06 even. But, Maybe 07. Yeah, exactly. Possibly no. 08. No, 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 no. I know it was, I know, I know it was, it was the same one as Joaquin Phoenix walked the line, because Joaquin Phoenix definitely wasn't going to win it because, whatchamacallit, won it for Ray the year before. An- another debate for another day. Yes. But, uh, so, all I'm saying is definitely the first 10 to, like, 13 years of, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman's career, he was playing uh, from one scene roles to these ancillary characters to great strong supporting actors and trust me there's some of his our favorite roles oh yeah no not 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 knocking him no not at all you know that's why like i mean you know and that's where you get to be you know well not that you know they even say like in comics the villains are more interesting than you know the superheroes and not you know saying that, you know, I mean, he does play some villains in some movies, but, <laughs> but like, but that's just, you know, when you're not the lead actor and you don't have like almost like that pressure on you, um, you get to, I think you just get to have more fun sometimes. And this is a guy that if he's having fun, which I believe he almost always did, he's just, 
enormous. At least it comes off that way that he's having fun. Yeah. We'll never know his true process. I think he was probably very analytical and very concerned, and he was he was he was an artist, and obviously, uh, you know, a man with some deep and dark thoughts going on in his head, and that's what um, yeah, a lot of demons, and you know, unfortunately, supposedly some of the most brightest and funniest and cleverest of people out there that that is the realm that they live in, and but that's what you also then get. You get this guy with many fears but then at this moment of maybe once hearing the film rolling behind the camera or someone saying you know action he just just like i almost you know that just someone taking over his body you know it's will ferrell old school in the debate (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah like a uh what do they call that like he's possessed yeah um now i was curious to find out more about this film like you know, like, things like how he was cast or, yeah. like, what, you know, his interest level or, you know, stuff that we're so spoiled with now. Yeah, well, you're not going to... There's no DVD to get that commentary. No, and there's no, like, pre-production websites that... Yeah. It was on IMDb. The only trivia was, this is Philip Seymour Hoffman's first film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the limited information here, it doesn't bother me that much. But you know it's great? There's an old-fashioned charm about that, because... We live in an age where... Yeah, it's pre-internet, and it's like, you know... Yeah, yeah. I mean, now, you and I are guilty of this as anybody, of just, like, knowing... I'm guilty of everything. <laughs> <laughs> but knowing every step of pre-production... Oh, yeah. Almost every step of just when a movie comes out, mm-hmm. what reviews it got, what yeah. people thought about it, you know, what reception it has, Facebook friends telling you what, you know, what's going on. Yeah. I try not to let that harm my opinion or get But you can't, you, sometimes you can't let it, you, you can't help it, you know? Sometimes. Oh, no, you can't help it, but, like, at the same time, it's just like, uh, it's like I've got an itch that I'm just like, it's like, <laughs> you know, I can't remember having the chicken pox, but everyone's like, don't scratch it. You know, it's just like, it's just like, ah, just like, you know, like, you just want to, like, read more and more, and sometimes it's bad when you've got, like, you know, big films out there, like, Star Wars, I want to keep secrets, and you read those things, but then you just, like, know these intimate little things about these indie films too but this film this is a film that like a guy you know again Amos Poe made it and uh (laughs) Kelly Tubby ew (laughs) (laughs) but uh he made it and he's just like he showed some places and he's like if you're interested come here if not uh, but again this is all speculation on our part that's what it it feels like I love it but like you could take any movie from the 70s like like one of your favorites A Taxi Driver right sure you weren't alive when that was. You didn't know anything about the pre-production, but now we we can look up so much. There are books written just wow. about Taxi Driver. Right? Okay, M- again, much better film. But the, but yeah, regardless, it's from Scorsese. Now we'll like there's a, there's a charm about not knowing too. Yeah, it's 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 like you ever like not have your cell phone. It's like a one and done. Of, yeah, at the beginning it's a of one night stand, and then yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's right. laughs> That's but like, you ever not have your cell phone and like, there's an anxiety about it, and then there's a freedom of not being oh, yeah. able to use it, you know? Oh, I it, love it, that. It's almost like I was like, oh, I want to know more, but this would be I want to know more. But now it's like, you know, I like being able to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. I like uh, speculating on how this director stumbled on Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, we're not going to get much more of this. Of this, I don't believe. No, everyone needs to know everything nowadays. No, but obnoxious. I mean, I mean, even for Philip Seymour Hoffman, he kind of. Go- Oh, oh, it was pretty oh. mainstream, pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, like he's not starring in these films, but 
No, I uh, no, but like he's he's got some he's got a couple of I think I, I again his career definitely like you know not saying like every next film is a better film, but it kind of becomes like every next film is for the most part like a bigger film. So like I think in the beginning we'll still have like a few you know like more uh, little surprises. There is a Wikipedia page, but it really doesn't say much. Huh. Okay. Well, I have one. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, through the Wikipedia page, uh-huh. I was able to click links and like the link of the lead actor. What's his name again? So Eric Mitchell or something like that? Eric Yeah, well, the, okay, so the, the guy that plays Remy. The guy that plays Remy, yeah. Okay. And kind of, you know, and the director, Amos Poe, and he kind of more talked about like the scene that these guys were in at the time. Now this one's in the '90s, and I guess this scene, um, it's called No Wave Cinema, apparently. Ooh, you know what? That's like something I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know a ton about it either. Or, but I was looking; to, it was really cool. Like we were saying before, like Jim Jarmusch came out of that. Um, Steve Buscemi, apparently, and it's it's kind of related to like it's like a little post Warhol, but it's related to just No Wave uh, music, which is related to New Wave music, of course. And hey, well, you know I got that blondie, uh... Yeah, I mean, this is like the... the blondie like the, in the back of my van. This is the age of <laughs> Debbie Harry. This is the age of Talking, talking Heads. heads. <sighs> These are people who, like, they encounter each other I'm in the sorry, village. I'm sorry, and this is village, why New York is cooler than L.A. Boom. <laughs> this well, is why it is. Don't again, back out. You don't like L.A., even though he's never been there. I've been there. I don't like it. Can't knock it till I try it, right? I just don't. No, you can it. knock it all you want. <laughs> I don't have any desire and this, to try no, it. That's that's what's cool about New York is like moments like this. We just kept having from cool bands and it, it, and this. What's this movement called again? I, I no wave cinema. No wave cinema. Yeah, so, basically, again, I think I've touched on it a little bit before. I'm sure if I went to NYU Tisch, I would have known. <laughs> like like Philip Seymour Hoffman went to. Yes. Uh, I would I would know much better about no wave, but. Like, like I was touching on bef- uh, before, I think in the intro, that these, you know, there were movies that were shown, at least at the time, I don't know about this one because it's a little late, but uh-huh. during like the late 70s, 80s part, there were movies that were just shown at like uh, community theaters in St. Mark's That's or awesome. like Astor Place yeah. or even like place like CBGB, which is mainly known for rock, but apparently, again, through my light research, they used to show films there at that. That's so freaking God, cool. I would, yeah, I would love to uh, just imagine be like in New York being in there for era. like a movie night, and then your like favorite band or like a whatever little band comes in, you know, and then also they become yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know what band then came up that played probably there in the and played in the nineties. Well, the nineties, yeah, a little different, probably like towards the end of the scene. But I mean, it's it's definitely a product of I this. The, you know, I think like Nirvana ever played there back in the day? Nah, probably yeah. not. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know enough about Nirvana. It's turning into a music know. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, the, it's this is this is a New York film, uh, New York moment. Uh, well, didn't you? Yeah, and then you said uh, to me before we were recording. And that Eric Mitchell, so that's his name. Yeah, he is a director. As oh, well. he's a director as well in this movement. And, and he, what's you know, that like, cool thing about Jim Jarmusch? Was what was he? Oh yeah, Jim Jarmusch. Apparently, I forgot I mentioned this to you before we started. Jim Jarmusch was apparently a sound guy on some that's of his awesome. earlier films. Like what a cool like, just, what a world! Cool movie. Like these guys helping each other out, yeah. making movies. I'd be uh, I'd be glad if I was just a fluffer. <laughs> he was a sound guy. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean. It, it's just it's one I of want to see things. his new film Patterson by the way 
Definitely. That's him that's playing in Montclair or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. That's that would have been... Ironically. Did, uh... Yeah. Um, <laughs> did... Did Jarmuth... Jarm, yeah, Jarmuth and Hoffman ever collaborated. I don't that think so. Great, that would have been really cool. Uh, it would have been a great... And, I and, mean, you don't yeah. see Hoffman work with many of these people again, you know? No, his biggest collaborator by far is P.T. Anderson. Yeah. And that was going to be a huge part of this podcast. I can't wait to talk about. Of course, of course. It's going to be so good. I gotta be honest with you, I kind of enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I was not, I was not expecting much. No, certainly not. And, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, we're not gonna get into the little technical problems <laughs> no, no. and stuff like that. We promised or, not to do that. Yeah, like, again, you know, the one performance I wasn't too fond of, but everyone else's was, like, great. It was like, I don't know, it was just this one simple story in a simple time and like you know just like simple location it's just i, I don't know it's just you know. interesting dialogue it was interesting and yeah i had the hots for the older sister <laughs> yes w- would i see it again i don't know maybe maybe not maybe it's easy enough to access and it's just like i'll probably go back and i'll just like watch it but i mean of course like you know i i could go back and watch you know just the minute of his performance but that's but let me just put it this way i don't i didn't need like i love that he was in it but there's enough in that movie to get me back to like stick and you know like watch it again someday but i would definitely tell people to you know especially if you're out. a fan of philip seymour hoffman yeah check it out even if, if it's just that scene um just definitely it's the genesis of all great things to come yeah. Well, I was completely wrong. So, I mean, there's definitely there's going to be a couple of like ones up ahead, but his next film is A Scent of a Woman. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to... Whoops! <laughs> so, right. speaking of which, hope you'll tune in next week. Yeah, for an episode about uh, A Scent of a, of a Woman! <laughs> a Chino! Which is basically which, what the whole movie's about, right? Yeah, possibly. He talks like this. The rest of his career, he, won, he finally won an Oscar, and the man didn't stop talking like that, I guess, the rest of his career, and, he be, <laughs> and just became more and more of a rooster. But, <laughs> but I don't know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I just remember his character being, you know, it's a film. Yeah, so, I gotta rewatch it. Yeah, that's also something, so we kind of stated in this, obviously, that we had not seen it before. Th- that's something I've that seen we'll, it, I'm sure, you've seen it, right? Yeah, so I'm sorry to be clear. I'm I'm saying like I I had never seen Triple Bogey. On no, and obviously I hadn't either. Yeah, so but we were again pleasantly surprised to easily find it online. That's what we're gonna have to do for a couple of. Uh, never seen it, never heard fil- of it, frankly. Yeah, no, that's very fair. Um, so definitely gonna happen for a couple of his earlier films, but then I'm very positive while looking at his IMDb that how many of, of his films I've seen, and I've definitely seen the next film a scent of a woman or i'm sorry scent of a woman not a scent scent of a woman and Specific. uh yes well uh but <laughs> uh but i haven't seen it in a while i'm looking forward to seeing it neither have i and i certainly wasn't seeing it in the prism of looking for yeah. philip seymour hoffman yeah and i i i remember he like so this is gonna fall into like kind of his this is gonna be Almost like a a clean cut version, I feel like, of this character. But then he's like a he's like I, if I recall correctly, he's a preppy douche. So, <laughs> um, looking forward to watching some uh, P.S. Hoffman being a preppy douche. Yeah, I hope you guys liked the first episode. Yes, uh, welcome. Thanks for uh, 
listening. This is just a passion project of ours, so hopefully you enjoy yep, it. Yep, I'm excited to get into the nitty-gritty next. Ooh. Yes, the nitty-gritty. <laughs> <laughs> Does he say that? That's no, a, that's uh, a Nacho Libre that's a, yeah, That's That a, is not a contest. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, so was, was, is our first official contest of the... It's yeah, I mean, it's the, a the contest will be more Philip yeah. Zimmer Hoffman yeah. directed. But we'll, but we'll throw it out there. But we'll throw it out there just for fun. Yeah. Just test if anyone can tell us. You could email us at... PSILoveHoffman at gmail.com. Or feel free to comment or even send us a private message in, for our Facebook page, mm-hmm. which is... P.S. I love Hoffman. Just search that, you'll find it. Yep. And I don't know. We'll we'll pick a rand randomly a lucky winner and give him a Philips and Hoffman DVD of our choosing. Yep. Perhaps scent of a woman. Looking if forward it, to it, people. And make sure to listen to any of the podcasts at CageClub.me. Yeah, I mean, please like our podcast, share our podcast, tell your friends. We want you to listen. Yeah. We have these conversations all the time. It's a passion project. We want people to enjoy it. If we didn't want you to listen, we wouldn't be with microphones right now. Yeah. We'd just be nerding out and be like, oh, <laughs> I liked him in that film. On that note. Yeah, it's sort of rambling into the night. Thanks so much. See you next week, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Sexy things, sexy things. I believe in miracles.